truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Back from a little vacay. Live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you want to be here with us, 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can like us on Facebook. And you probably need to click like 24 times. Then maybe one of them will finally be accepted by Facebook, which has shadow bandits. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. We had a jam-packed show coming up later in this hour. Ashley Bratcher, get to know that name because she's going to be one of the faces uh, of the pro-life movement for the foreseeable future. Uh, She plays Abby Johnson in the forthcoming movie Unplanned, releasing in theaters nationwide on Friday, and she will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. We'll continue our study uh, of my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, coming up next hour as well. Of course, we're going to have a ton of analysis here in just a few minutes on... Uh, Attorney General Barr's summation of the Mueller report that was released yesterday. So all that and more forthcoming. But one of the cool things we get to do on this show is defend and promote worthwhile causes. One of the most worthwhile causes of them all. Taking God's word to the ends of the earth, and that's where Back to Jerusalem comes in. Based in communist China, their ministry, the heart of their ministry, is to take the word of God to every closed country between China and Jerusalem. What do they mean by closed countries? These are nations whose oppressive regimes have closed their people off to the hope and faith and inspiration found ultimately in God's word. And they want to do something about that. So here's their plan. They've taken the Bible, put it into an electronic form that is small enough to sneak it past the gatekeepers in places like Somalia, North Korea, Iran, uh, the aforementioned uh, communist China, uh, in order to get the Bible into those places, to bring the light there to the darkness. Here's the help they need from us. 15 bucks is what it takes to get one of those electronic Bibles into the hands of somebody in one of those closed countries. If you want to help, blazehelp.org is the website, blazehelp.org, or give them a call at 844-305-0566, 844-305-0566. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by nothing. You took the box! Let's see what's in the box! Nothing! Absolutely nothing! Stupid! You're so stupid! That's kind of what the Mueller report had to say about the various Trump-Russia collusion theories that have dominated American political discourse over the last two years. The special counsel delivered its report to the Department of Justice over the weekend, and Attorney General Bill Barr delivered a top-line synopsis of said report to Congress as well. Before we get to the details of Barr's synopsis, we need to remember three things. One, terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people terribly. Two, this won't make some of you happy, but... Did you ask for a recommendation? Uh, what I did is I was going to fire... Comey. My decision. It was not. You had made the decision before they came in. I, I was going to fire Comey. 
Uh, I, there's no good time to do it, by the way. That interview is the reason we're here in the first place. So Trump is not a victim in that specific respect. Three, the press really is the enemy of the people. Breaking news. A bombshell. Today is a turning point. Today was historically bad for President Trump. Today was a turning point. A turning point. We're at a turning point here. The beginning of the end for the Trump presidency. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence might have to assume the office of the presidency. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. The beginning of the end? Beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. We begin tonight with a bombshell. Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president will resign. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping point. Trump's going down. This president could be impeached. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way. Know how. Breaking news. Absolute bomb. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. This is going to be the Achilles Hill. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight, the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today, the biggest tipping point for the Trump administration. What a historic day. The bombshells. He's underwater. He feels the walls closing in. Turning point. We may be at a tipping point. It's the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is a bombshell. Two years of that and now this. It's important to note that we don't actually have the full text of the Mueller report yet. What I'm about to read are excerpts of Bill Barr's report or top line synopsis of the Mueller investigation that he delivered over the weekend. On Friday, the special counsel submitted to me a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions he has reached. This report is entitled Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference into the 2016 Presidential Election. Although my review is ongoing, I believe that it is in the public interest to describe the report and to summarize the principal conclusions reached by the special counsel and the results of his investigation. The report explains that the special counsel and his staff thoroughly investigated allegations that members of the presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump and others associated with it conspired with the Russian government in its efforts to interfere in the 2016 U.S. presidential election or sought to obstruct the related federal investigations. In the report, the special counsel noted that, in completing his investigation, he employed 19 lawyers who were assisted by a team of approximately 
40 FBI agents, intelligence analysts, forensic accountants, and other professional staff. The special counsel issued more than 2,800 subpoenas, executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained more than 230 orders for communications records, issued almost 50 orders authorizing use of pen registers, made 13 requests to foreign governments for evidence, and interviewed approximately 500 witnesses. The special counsel obtained a number of indictments and convictions of individuals and entities in connection with his investigation, all of which have been publicly disclosed. During the course of his investigation, the special counsel also referred several matters to other offices for further action. The report does not recommend any further indictments, nor did the special counsel obtain any sealed indictments that have yet to be made public. The special counsel's investigation determined that there were two main Russian efforts to influence the 2016 election. The first involved attempts by a Russian organization, the Internet Research Agency, to conduct disinformation and social media operations in the United States designed to sow social discord, eventually with the aim of interfering with the election. As noted above, the special counsel did not find that any U.S. person or Trump campaign official or associate conspired or knowingly coordinated with the IRA and its efforts, although the special counsel brought criminal charges against a number of Russian nationals and entities in connection with these activities. The second element involved the Russian government's efforts to conduct computer hacking operations designed to gather and disseminate information to influence the election. The special counsel found that Russian government actors successfully hacked into computers and obtained emails from persons affiliated with the Clinton campaign and Democrat Party organizations and publicly disseminated those materials through various intermediaries, including WikiLeaks. The report's second part addresses a number of actions by the president, most of which have been the subject of public reporting, that the special counsel investigated as potentially raising obstruction of justice concerns. After making a thorough factual investigation into these matters, the special counsel considered whether to evaluate the conduct under department standards governing prosecution and declination decisions, but ultimately determined not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment. Generally speaking, to obtain and sustain an obstruction conviction, the government would need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a person acting with corrupt intent engaged in obstructive conduct with a sufficient nexus to a pending or contemplated proceeding. In cataloging the president's actions, many of which took place in the public view, the report identifies no actions that, in our judgment, constitute obstructive conduct, had a nexus to a pending or contemplated proceeding, and were done with corrupt intent, each of which, under the department's principles of federal prosecution guiding charging decisions, would need to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt to establish an obstruction of justice offense. Again, what I just read were excerpts of Attorney General Bill Barr's synopsis of the Mueller report. The synopsis came out yesterday afternoon and forced CBS multiple times to break into one of the most watched sporting events in the country, March Madness, to tell the country that Trump has all but been cleared of both collusion with Russia and obstruction of justice in the Mueller investigation. Of course, what happens now is we find out William Barr kicked a puppy when he was 13, wrote that hot dogs are sandwiches when he was in high school, Jay walked when he was in college and is therefore a bad actor, helping to cover up the Mueller report for the president. Then next week, some sorry congressional panel subpoenas the DOJ for the full report. The DOJ releases a heavily redacted version of the Mueller report. And then when that's not good enough, some Peter Strzok wannabe from the FBI will leak it. So we can look forward to at least another 
couple months of this story. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, don't do it without help from our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust, a company Glenn Beck and his friends started a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents that talked a good game but then did not deliver the promised results when it mattered the most. And what sets Real Estate Agents I Trust apart from other referral services that you may hear advertised elsewhere is those are really about helping real estate agents find clients. In this case, this is about helping you, the client, find the right real estate agent, someone that has volunteered to be vetted, to be scrutinized, to be held accountable, and therefore is entered into the pool of the worthy uh, that you will find at realestateagentsitrust.com. So if you want to buy or sell for fast and for the right price, check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. So a couple of my takeaways uh, from what was released yesterday. Um, number one, no evidence of Russian collusion. And, and the attorney general's letter states that the Mueller report states this three times. No evidence of the traditional narrative of Russian collusion that we've been bombarded with for the last now 676 days. And Mr. Mueller's report states this three times. Um, the second big takeaway is the no obstruction of justice. I think there's been shocking, some misreporting and fake news analysis of what this does and doesn't mean. A prosecutor by nature doesn't determine the innocence of someone because what is his title? What's his title of the prosecutor? Prosecutor? Yeah. So he actually determines not whether, and, and the opposing lawyer of the prosecutor would be called the what attorney? Defense. Defense. So which attorney's job is it to find out, uh, is it to prove someone's innocence, do you think? Oh, the, no. That would be There's the def- a presumption of innocence. Yeah, but the, wh- which side, which attorney, which, it's not four-dimensional chess, which attorney's job is it to decide or help to prove someone is innocent? attorney. And whose job is it to help to prosecute? Prosecute. It's not, it's not Robert Mueller's job to determine somebody's innocence, okay? Not to mention there's an entire debate about whether... You can indict a sitting president anyway. That's and probably and not and further not to mention his charge, even though I told you all along this was an obstruction of justice investigation because that's really what it was. But the the statute that he was employed under was to investigate Russian collusion. Okay, so this was this this was always going to be referred to DOJ anyway. So there's been it, it is typical of prosecutors not to either condemn or exonerate it's their job to look at is there sufficient evidence to prosecute that's exactly right that's that's their job okay so there's a lot of hot takey stuff on that that is just frankly hot garbage um secondly exactly you know for obstruction of justice to take place there would presumably need to be an underlying crime that you're trying to cover up you can't have a cover-up in search of a crime Okay. Do you have have you have to have a crime that leads to a cover up? As hard as certain people in this administration may have tried in the past. Uh. <laughs> yeah. There's no underlying crime because bullet point one is there's no collusion. Well, I un- and I do understand in a, that prosecutors may still be able to get you guilty of, con- of of obstruction of justice without an underlying crime. I understand that that's not a legal absolute. It's like being arrested for resisting arrest. Yes. However. In this case, we're not talking about an average private citizen. We're talking about the president of the United States. 
And it is just simply not a reasonable expectation, regardless of who it is, to expect him not to defend himself and his presidency when for 675 days, what his presidency has been subjected to is exactly what Aaron put in that montage. Yeah, his job isn't to just start goose-stepping instantly. Yeah, this is, so, so Trump... So Trump saying that it's that Trump publicly saying to millions of people every day that he viewed the Mueller probe as a witch hunt. You may not like it. You may not agree. You may find it unseemly, but it is not Richard Nixon on a phone to H.R. Haldeman saying, yeah, we can we can we can make that happen. That's not what it is. Okay, he's doing this is this goes back to what Andrew McCarthy wrote several months ago. You can't criminalize political actions. Okay, meaning you can't criminalize the engaging of of politics. So there's a lot of hot takey stuff on that that just isn't relevant. Third, I had several of you telling me on my Facebook page, which apparently is just for the special people, the few, the proud. uh, I had several of you telling me, well, this this is is summary and not the Mueller report. That's true. So, you know, by the way, uh, Barr and Mueller have been friends for years. Bill Barr is a bushy. They're wa- they've gone to the same church for years. Their wives have been in the same small group, Bible study, for years. Okay? I would assume that if the letter that Mr. Barr submitted yesterday was a bastardization hack job of the Mueller report, I would assume that we will soon hear and probably should have also from whom? Probably Mr. Mueller. Okay, unless you social media badass, you believe you care more about the integrity of Robert Mueller's probe than Robert Mueller does. I, I, I would assume that if what Mr. Barr's letter is not true or is an inaccurate assessment of what Mueller's report says, I would assume we would probably hear from Bob Mueller. Okay, unless so, he's in the tank with Trump, like yes, Joy Reid he, thinks, he's suddenly in the tank. Yes. And this brings me to Bob Mueller. I've seen some of this today and I don't understand it. You may not agree with what I'm about to say about him in a minute, but even if you don't agree with that, like in, this is dumping, uh, dunking on Bob Mueller today is like after your favorite team just beats the number one team in the country and you chant overrated. Why are you demeaning your own win? So I guess it's not a big thing that you beat the number one team in the country. You should have. They sucked all along. Don't celebrate it. Don't make us the lead story on SportsCenter tonight. Don't make it trending on social media. Not a big deal here. We beat the number one team in the country, but they sucked anyway. So it does that? That's never that never made any sense to me. The president has been given one of the greatest public vindications in the history of this office. That's correct. In the history of this office. You don't have to like him to admit that. Why you would then seek to undermine the person responsible for handing it to him makes no sense to me. None. Negative integer sense. I, you know, I guess what it means is, you know what, I guess Trump hasn't been vindicated because Mueller's a hack and terrible. And since he's the source of the vindication, I guess let's let, commence the investigations. Let's continue. I did, what happened yesterday doesn't count. Children get to live in a world where they believe people on the basis of whether we agree or like said people or not, not on whether on the basis of what they're saying is true. As adults, we don't get to live in that world. So pick one, pick one. Okay. Bob Mueller's a hack. Okay. That could be true. That means I guess we can't take any of his vindications of Trump seriously. I guess. 
You can't have it both ways. That makes no sense to me. None. And I'll say this about Bob Mueller. To me, he vindicated his resume with this outcome here. He went against what the public was told. He, that we were told he'd never go again. Him and his buddy James Comey cooked this up. And James Comey was his protege, and they cooked it up. And, uh, and, and it was no secret that Mueller was who was recommended when the independent counsel was called in, right? That, we were told this. Right. Bob, Bob Mueller's the swamp. He'll never, ever. I mean, look at all the Democrats he hired. And I tried to tell people, guys, if you're going to do any semblance of a prosecutorial investigation in America, good luck not hiring any Democrat attorneys, because most of the attorneys are what? Democrats! Almost all of them are. Trial Lawyers Association is in, be- is in a race with the media to say, who's got the fewest Republicans, okay? So, okay. In the end, he lived up to his resume. In the end. In the end, he defied the entire zeitgeist and provided the one outcome we thought would never happen. Like, we never thought this would ever happen. That he would come back and say, in the end, you all been scammed. I, I've seen the RNC put out press releases of how much the Mueller probe cost. In my opinion, it was worth every penny. And you know why? Because it's the most certifiable evidence we've ever been given that what I've been trying to say is true. This isn't biased media. It is opposition media. It is not fake news. This is propaganda. What Bob Mueller confirmed for you is Cicero, Cicero's plea is still relevant. The enemy is in the gate. By the most cynical, self-destructive means allowed, the left and media attempted to essentially disintegrate whatever trust was remaining in America's election process because they got an outcome they didn't like. And, it, and now we've learned in recent days and months, it's not a one-off. It's the same game plan we saw with Covington. It's the same game plan we saw with Kavanaugh. It's the same game plan we see we saw with the Georgia gubernatorial race. And they'll reset again. No yes. lessons will be learned. Yes, there will be no self-awareness. There will be no comeuppance. They're doing what they've always intended to do. They hate you. I don't say what I'm about to say next with glee. I'm not happy to either accept this truth nor communicate it. But this is true nonetheless. I'm not going to give you a lecture on accepting the truth on the basis of whether you like it or not. And and then turn around and just do the same thing myself. I don't want this to be true. I spent most of my career trying to convince my brethren to go into mainstream media circles and push back. But I will not ignore the truth, especially when it keeps throat punching me. The media and the left want to believe this. They want to believe that those whom they disagree with politically are these people. Or they already do. I don't know which is which. Probably varies by the person or the outlet. And then they want to go a step further. They want the rest of the American people to assume this as well. That there, will, that there cannot possibly be a reason that you would disagree with them other than you're a racist, you're a misogynist, you're a xenophobe, you're a homophobe, you're, you're, you're a near-do-well, you're a lesser evolved being. There would be no reason for holding in a contrarian alternative view other than you don't deserve to live, basically. No other reason. 
And that's why they are the advanced comms team of a hostile invading force. That's what they are. Can't stop, won't stop. There will be no accountability. There will be no self-awareness. None will be forthcoming. They're doing exactly what they intended to do. I'm not happy about that news because what I've just told you is we're in a de facto civil war. People who do this to you, you can't share a country with. Not because you're not willing to let mercy triumph over judgment, but because they're not going to. They're not going to. Think this weekend, Donald Trump said, we're going to stop putting sanctions on North Korea because I like Kim Jong-un. Now, if you view Trump as your political opponent, every show on CNN, MSNBC, every headline in the New York Times, they're all that. That's what they do. That's what I do. Dude, just literally dropped trow in public and said, you know, I, I, I'm kind of besties with literally one of the worst human beings on planet Earth. But, but they don't want to win an argument, guys, or even an election. They want to end your way of life. See, that's what happens when you're not content beating somebody on the merits of an argument. You just want, you want to beat people into submission with the merits of your argument. You're not content to win the argument of the day. You must force the argument that you want to hold sway. And that's what you're watching here. The evolution between someone who disagrees with you and an enemy. Gentlemen, your thoughts. You talked about there will be no self-awareness. A couple of examples. Politico, uh, after the nearly two-year investigation, found no collusion or clear obstruction of justice. Trump and his aides showed little interest in healing or national unity. Now, if Iran Public Radio... Or some, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, third world country uh, public television said something like that. Country. A blank hole country? Uh, a blank hole country <laughs> said something like that. We'd be like, Haha, that's funny. That's why you're a third world country. Uh, when our media says it, our reaction still is, man, these guys don't have any self-awareness. No. When Iran Public Radio says we want to death to America, we believe them because they're right. Iran, right? When Politico says Trump has no interest in show in uh, in uh, healing or showing some unity, um, don't say uh, what about uh, healing or showing it. No, they're just communicating what they think of you. Uh, you're either with us or you are against. That's us. exactly right. That's what they're communicating. And I know Todd has an example yeah, from earlier. I this do morning. have an anecdote. Uh, our friend of the show, Heather Timmons, uh, what she posted on Twitter today. Uh, she uh, saw a YouTube, uh, saw a, a video, I believe, of somebody in Russia, some uh, people in media there laughing at this. This is her, this is her takeaway. And I said, so Heather, so your answer is only going to dial this up to 11? You're, you, you, who cares if there some hacks over in Russia are laughing about this? This has kind of been a punchline for a while, and now it's hitting you right in the face, and maybe it's time to learn some lessons about journalism's complicit on this she said oh, that's a dangerous lie and i'm i'm the one on this day she said i'm part of a dangerous conspiracy against uh the health of this nation so just heck of your point can't stop won't stop yeah my general rule with people like her is i i will always love my neighbor as i love myself 
until they prove they cannot be trustworthy and then dust hit sandals and you don't live again to me. I won't, you won't hear that name come out of my mouth. I didn't look at the tweet you sent me. She's, I've, she's tire and siding. I've moved on. You know, I'm, 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 I'm taking my message to the next village. You know, I, if if I give you the ultimate accommodation I can possibly give you, and then you turn around and treat me the way she then turned around and treated me later on with no benefit of the doubt at all, I'm, I'm out tapping out, you know, Jesus, there's no 11th commandment. Thou must beat thy head against thy wall. Actually, there is an 11th commandment. It's uh, kick the dust off your sandals and move on to the next town. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Wycliffe Bible translators, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They do great work translating the Bible. That's why they're Bible translators, and they're closing in on the number of languages that have yet to be uh, deciphered and um, translated into the Bible. There is no discernible language on this earth. That is, I, I said, discernible that can reach that type of no. uh, lack of self-awareness, no. lack of any awareness whatsoever. There is no hope uh, outside of a miracle, and I mean that seriously, a, a, a miracle, uh, God intervening, yeah. that can reach someone That's like why we that. have wars. I hate to say it, but that, because you're dealing with an entrenched worldview that is, that is weaponized, that cannot be negotiated with, and will only take our way over yours. It will only take no for an answer. You know, and that's, unfortunately, that is where we are at now. And the more that they, if they decide they want to see suburban voters, here, here's the reason they don't like Trump. And he struggled with them. Suburban voters hate unnecessary divisiveness. That's why they don't like Trump's name calling. You, you, and that's why if the Democrats continue with this, with all those headlines about collusion, no collusion, they will, they, all the gains they just made in the last election with suburban voters, they'll lose them all. Because suburban voters, number one thing they hate is you make life at the golf course and the local YMCA difficult for me with your unnecessary divisiveness. They don't like that. You know, after being subjected to this for the last 675 days and we uh, did our best in our show to withstand the pressure of getting into the intricacies of something. We had no ability to determine what was true or not. But uh, all of us as Americans were subjected to what amounts to um, a de facto coup attempt for the last 675 days. One of the most cynical, self-destructive means of overturning the outcome of an election you didn't like. And so... We're going to have much more to say about this a little bit later on uh, in the show as well. So keep it tuned right here to The Blaze. But uh, just a, a quick gear switch to something I think is really important, because you may have heard about the controversy surrounding the new movie Unplanned. We've talked a lot about that on this show uh, over the last few months. And, and many are viewing the Motion Picture Association of America's decision to slap it with an R rating uh, as little more than an attempt to prevent uh, particularly Christians uh, who might steer clear from an R rating in general, uh, then steer them clear of the movie, uh, put the movie up on a shelf uh, in a corner. Uh, to try and shun it. And I would agree with that. Uh, the head of the MPAA is a longtime uh, a, a, you know, abortion party activist, former Obama administration official. I've seen this movie twice. Um, and it, it, given what amounts for PG-13 nowadays, it doesn't deserve an R rating at all. Um, and it, it, the, it, essentially, there's a new factor for getting rated R. 
step on the neck of a shibboleth of the damned get you an R rating. That, that's essentially why uh, this movie was slapped with an R because Unplanned brings us an eye-opening look inside the abortion industry from the perspective of a woman who was once one of its most passionate advocates. If you want to learn more about the film, go to the website unplannedfilm.com. That's unplannedfilm.com. It opens in theaters this Friday, March 29th. Here's a preview. Abby Johnson is in the other room. Here. Our first order of business is to present Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award. Abby Johnson. There's a fire inside, you can feel this is Abby. She's our newest volunteer escort. Abby, this is Cheryl Alessandro. It's a neon light glowing light. I'd be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. You'll actually be in charge of the abortions at your clinic. I have a chance to make a real difference. No matter what you do for the rest of your life, you're still going to be a baby killer. The only thing that's changed is you, Abby. Can you even hear yourself talk right now about these procedures? These are little babies. I'm not going to apologize for doing a job that helps women in crisis. There's still a part of me that isn't sure. I know. But the one thing that all experts agree on is that at this stage, the fetus can't feel anything. Sorry to bother you, but they need an extra person in the back room. Are you free? I saw it. It was like it was twisting and fighting for its life. We commend the souls of these hundreds of children. And Lord, we pray to end abortion. I really appreciate what you've done for us. I'll not forget it. 2,000 abortions. How do I even comprehend that? Rough day at the office. You can say that. You're making a it's a preview of the new film, Unplanned, and uh, the woman you saw front and center in that trailer joins us now. Ashley Bratcher is the star of the film. Uh, she carries it, taking on the role of uh, pro-life activist Abby Johnson. And Ashley, it's a pleasure to have you with us here today on The Blaze. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. So I know from talking to uh, the filmmakers that there is an incredible story in your own background uh, tied to this particular I I issue that you didn't even become aware of until filming was just about to begin uh, last spring on this movie. Can you share that story with our audience? Yeah, that's right. Before I had done Unplanned, I didn't really have a position on abortion, really. And when I took on the role, I got a very short notice. I had a five-hour notice to get on the plane, head out to Oklahoma to shoot for eight weeks. And when I got there, I had hardly any time to tell anyone that I had left. My mom called me on the fourth day of filming, and she had no idea what I was doing. And I was very hesitant to share with her what the story was about because she had told me when she was in high school she'd had an abortion. So I didn't want her to think that I loved her any less or that I was judging her because this movie is not about judgment and condem condemnation. It's about forgiveness and hope and healing. And I was really proud to play Abby. And as I started telling the story to my mom, she just completely broke down and she was crushed. She said to me, Ashley, I need to tell you something that I've never told you before. What you don't know is that when I was 19, I was in the clinic for the second time. They called my name back. I was being examined by a very pregnant nurse. I was on the table. I got really sick to my stomach and I knew I couldn't go through with it. And I stood up. 
I walked out and I chose to have you. Mm-hmm. And that was a really profound moment for me because while I had considered myself pro-life in the sense that I would never have an abortion, I thought, well, I'd never tell someone else that. But then here I was all of a sudden having my own life spared from abortion and realizing that I was almost never here to be a part of this story, to have lived this life. And it just blew me away. It all came full circle for me. Uh, That's an incredible story. And uh, I was with one of your the, one of your producers, Chris. Uh, we were actually uh, at dinner when they found out uh, about the R rating, and <laughs> and I I told him I thought it was about the best news you could have gotten from a marketing perspective, because now it's kind of in a way it's like got a parental advisory sticker. It's cool. It's countercultural, right? Um, and I thought yeah. it was I thought it was actually in a way the 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 greatest endorsement from from uh from the very viewpoint that the film is attempting to confront uh i think in a way it's a de facto endorsement of saying yeah you guys did a really good effective job of pulling our pants down here and that's why we don't it's not it's not a polemic it's not propaganda it's not judgment yeah. or judgy you you did a really good job of pulling our pants down here and so we don't want people to see it what was your reaction when the r rating came in I completely agree. To me, it was confirmation that the MPAA agrees that abortion is a violent and disturbing act. That's the only thing in our film that they gave us an R rating for. That, to me, says a lot. They inadvertently admitted that abortion is disturbing. And what's more disturbing is the fact that a 13, 15-year-old girl can go to many states in the United States and have an abortion, but she can't go see the movie about abortion. That is so backwards to me. Mm. Since the film wrapped filming and as it's uh, gotten closer to its release date, have you contemplated how this is going to change your life? What the ramifications are that you may blacklist yourself um, in Hollywood, for example. On the other hand, you may carry the weight, um, the gift or the burden, depending on how you look at it, of being the face of the pro-life movement or at least one of them. Uh, depending on the film's ultimate success, have you have you thought about any of those things and the in the impact it'll have on you, your family, et cetera, um, once this movie hits theaters on Friday? Well, I walk through my life and my faith, both personally and in my career. So I'm not walking into this with any fear. I think that this is really just the beginning for me. I'm looking forward to the opportunities that will come. But I've really just been trying to savor this moment, to live in this moment and take it for all that it's worth. I'm not worried about being blacklisted. I already have other tables in the offer. I'm in negotiation right now with one project in particular. So I don't, I don't worry. I'm not worried about my career at all. What I'm worried about is making sure that I represent this film well and that I represent the pro-life movement well. So I am focused on speaking out as an advocate for life, and I plan on continuing to do that. This film, it just ripped the blinders from my eyes, and I knew that everything that I had believed before had been a lie, and I was just not educated. And I think this is going to do that for people all across the world. And I want to be a part of that as it continues to do that. I've gotten to know Carrie and Chris uh, and Chuck fairly well. And uh, Chuck and and Carrie are the writers of the film, directors of the film. And I I was down there for filming for a couple of days last May in in Oklahoma. And one of the things that, that they talked to me about is how far to go in telling the truth. 
right? And uh, and this mm-hmm. is always a challenge for faith-based filmmakers mm-hmm. and storytellers is to show the true impact and reality of evil and of sin, but not do it in a way that's gratuitous or makes it look like it's cool or um, yeah. uh, or, or chic either. And, and you want to shock the senses, but you don't want to crush people at the same time. When I saw the film for the first time, the final cut, and, and they hadn't finished all the CGI uh, yet on the opening scene that I think will take people people's breath away and that opening transition mm-hmm. from uh, your fa- your family life to your work life. And you know what I'm talking about? And I don't want to spoil yeah. it for people, but the way that they edited it, it was, it was a devastating confrontation with the reality of what goes on inside a Planned Parenthood clinic without being gratuitous. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. they thread that needle about perfectly. Were you concerned about that as, yeah. as, as, as an actress? I mean, let's tell the truth here, but at the same time, you know, we, we, we can't, you know, we can't make it so it's so disturbing that the truth gets lost either. Yeah, well, I had a lot of faith in Carrie and Chuck as directors and our whole team, honestly. They were so committed to making sure that this was done right. And Abby Johnson was very involved in the making of the film. And I just really believed and had faith that this was going to be done right. And in my heart, I knew it would all come together the way that it did. Um, I don't, Like you said, I don't think that we did anything that was gratuitous just for the sake of being bloody or gory. We didn't exaggerate the truth. We just showed the truth. Mm-hmm. And I actually took my nine-year-old son to our Hollywood premiere, and he watched the movie. When you saw, because as an actress, a lot of times you have an idea of what they want to do. But scenes mm-hmm. like that that require special effects and those sorts of things, you don't really know until you go to the screening right. of the movie or you see it screened for the first time. Here's how they brought that uh, their vision to life. What was your reaction yeah. when you saw that for the first time? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because most people don't know when I shot that scene, there was nothing for me to look at. I'm literally looking at like a little dot on a monitor. So what I did for my research was I watched the silent scream, which is probably the closest thing you're going to get to unplanned Mm -hmm. so that I could see what that might look like in an ultrasound. And I spent a lot of time looking at ultrasound images, videos, and just imagining talking to Abby, but listening to her testimony is enough to really break you down. And so as I was filming that scene, just hearing her description over and over through my mind was enough to fuel me to break my heart. Who's the target audience for this film? I've been asked that question advocating for it the last few months, and I'll share with you my answer. You can tell me if you agree or disagree, but Having been involved in pro-life activism and, you know, I was born to a 15-year-old mom who found out she was pregnant with me at 14, Christmas 1972. And a few weeks later, we get Roe versus Wade, and now she's got a decision to make that she didn't think was an option for her, you know? And and for those of us that are Gen X or millennial, we that story's not unique. You know, a lot of us uh, come from the the first real post-abortive generation. And to me, I've, I've learned in my activism that there's a distinction between those who are pro-killing and those who are pro-choice. Which you guys convey in the movie about Planned Parenthood is they are pro-killing. I mean, they're 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 count, they're doing a body count, and they've got a price yeah. tag in every single one of them. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that would call themselves pro-choice that probably are where you described yourself when you mm-hmm. came to the set. Meaning they couldn't imagine doing this themselves, but they're not sure it's it's their place to get in the middle of someone else making this decision. And they've been because they've never truly been confronted with what this decision really is. To me, I think they're really the target demo for this movie. But what are your thoughts? 
No, I completely agree. I say that anyone that is on the fence on this topic right now, it is critical that they see this film so they can make an educated decision. Because I think that the majority of America has no idea what happens in an abortion procedure. Mm -hmm. And for the very first time, you have a face for the victim. This is a silent Holocaust. People are not seeing what's happening. And now you have to see it. You have to come face to face with it. And then when you walk out, you have to say, well, I can't say I didn't know anymore. Now I know. And now either I have to do something about it or accept it. And that's a really strong thing for someone to come to terms with. Final thing, Ashley, as you guys have done, you had the premiere uh, last Monday, as you've done some screenings around the country, has there been a consistent response that you've received that either A, has made you think, I think we did what we set out to do, or B, made you think maybe this has even more potential than I originally thought that it had? I think that this movie is going to far exceed my wildest dreams. The response across the country has been incredibly positive. Uh, so many post-abortive men and women have expressed how healing it was for them. So many people who have been on the fence like I was have walked out and say, wow, I had no idea. And one really beautiful moment was when we screened it in Washington, D.C. And I remember looking at the audience and there was a 15-year-old girl with her mom and she was just streaming tears. Mm. And about three seats down from her was a 70-year-old man crying. And I thought, wow, if we can make this movie that is so cross-generational and it's touching so many people, then we've really done something good. Well, I want you to know, I, I understand you did Glenn's show earlier today here on The Blaze, too, because mm -hmm. you're making the rounds. And um, I, I, took your, I took your movie down to Dallas to show Glenn and the team down there about a month ago. And, and I go into the morning, we're going to do the screening. And he says to me, he goes, I, I don't know, I'm coming. And I said, why? And he goes, um, I, he goes, Steve, I can't, I can't do it again. I cannot look another Christian filmmaker in the eye and tell him there's so, the movie sucks. I, I've had to do it too many times. I can't do it again. I said, trust me on this one. I would not have come all the way in the dead of winter uh, to bring this to you if I really, if I, if I didn't believe in this film. And so we go to do the screening down there in Dallas in the afternoon after everybody's off the air and, and, and they have it set up in a private room. And I was going to sit in the back cause I've already seen the movie and I want to give people that haven't seen it a chance to sit in the front. And, and I was going to give up and give up my seat. And Glenn said, grabs Marmy says, Oh no, you are going to sit right here next to me because if this movie sucks, you're going to hear about it, that you made me do this again. Okay. And I, I spent half of, I had one eye on the screen and one eye on him, the whole movie. And I, and I mean, I could hear his reactions and, and, and how blown away he was uh, from uh, the movie in real time. So you guys passed the, the your, a real cynic test there because he was going to try and talk himself out of this screening because he was convinced it wasn't going to be any good. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for fighting for us. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing what the movie does on Friday. I'm going to get out and uh, see it in the theaters again. Uh, and I hope everybody in our audience does the same. Ashley Bratcher, yeah. great work you do in this film. Really, you carry thank the you movie. So and uh, we appreciate you being with us here today on the show. God bless, okay? Yeah, thank you. You guys have uh, some reaction to the conversation we just had with Ashley. I'm going to be honest. I was fighting, getting choked up that entire time. I, you had not told me that story about, about her? her. Yeah. Yeah, and I was saving it for when I knew we were going to have her on. Yeah. You guys think whatever you want, but for my money... You're looking at a, a 
tried and true vessel of God right there. We're all created for a purpose, but my goodness, the purpose of that woman right there. And I love how uh, the, the authentic nature of her saying, you know what, the career is going to take care of itself. But I am part of uh, something way more than just this movie. I am now part of, uh, uh, if it's just a one-woman movement, so be it. But I'm going to fight for this, and I'm never going to stop. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as, you know, there's there's the movie and then the message of the movie and then uh, behind, you know, the behind the scenes kind of that we that we heard from from Ashley. And, and the thing that stood out to me the most was uh, she didn't even flinch. She didn't even uh, take any time to react. She's not worried about her future. Um, she 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 went right to her faith that we are not to be afraid when stepping out into the future. Um, that's authentic. That's, that's the only word that I can, I, I can think of right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lesson, that's a lesson for all of us and how encouraging it is not only for her, not only for this movie to be made, but for the person who carries it, like you said, Steve, to be, uh, the type of person that we just heard from for the last 20 minutes. That's, that's awesome. Homeowners beware. You may have identity theft protection, and if you don't, you should. It's a good thing. But here's the thing. Uh, scammers can still pill through your home through what is called um, home th- title theft. Here's how they do it. Uh, when there's a major data breach at a bank, a lender, a uh, hotel chain, uh, you read about these in the news all the time, uh, they may not be able to pill through your identity. Maybe they can't get a credit card in your name because you have identity theft protection, but they can go to second or third party entities where you do business online and identify as you because they have a checking account number, uh, a maiden name, a middle initial, a last four digits of a social security number, the kinds of things and information that you use to secure your online business dealings. They now have that information. They identify as you. They forge a signature on the website where your home's title is kept. And then they may uh, liquidate your home's equity. They may put it up for sale, like what happened to a couple in Philadelphia about a month ago. A guy in North Carolina kept doing this to them. Don't let it happen to you. Protect your most valuable investment for just pennies a day with our friends at Home Title Lock. HomeTitleLock.com is the website to go for a free title scan and report right now. HomeTitleLock.com. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on The Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. If you are listening to us today via podcast, via uh, any podcasting platform, if you would leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would appreciate that. Thank you to all of you that have already done that already as well. So you may have thought, hey, I tried to fight the Battle of the Bulge again this year. Number one by far, now that we've got vaping and jewels and all this other stuff, it used to be smoking and losing weight was the number one New Year's resolutions every single year. Now it's basically losing weight, getting healthier, all by itself these days. And you may have fought the battle of the bulge and lost. Okay. Um, I, I fought it for years and, you know, I've, and I've learned a few things um, winning more often than I have lost, you know, and you learn a lot of things about yourself and your body when you put on 150 pounds from high school and then take a hundred of it off. All right. You learn a lot, good and bad. Here's one of the things you learn. 
as we get older, you can make a lot of great lifestyle choices and still maybe not see the results you want because your metabolism just isn't what it used to be. All right. So I want to introduce you to a product. It's called Riduzone. All right. Now, um, this is not a stimulant. All right. This is a natural means of boosting your metabolism, largely through a, an ingredient called OEA, which is one of the fundamental ingredients you'll find in olive oil, for example. And all of our bodies produce this, even some of our pets do. Um, it's just as we get older, we produce less of it. And we slow down, you know, uh, that's kind of the natural aging process. And, you know, for a lot of human history, that wasn't a problem, but we didn't have an obesity epidemic for a lot of human history like we do nowadays either. So a lot of us are now waking up to the realities of what we've done to our bodies and thinking we need to do something to reverse that. But then we, we get, we get to that conclusion at an age where the reversal process is more difficult than ever before. So you've got an option here. You can drink an entire bottle of olive oil if you want and get, uh, the amount of OEA you need, that seems a little intense of an option to me. And I love my olive oil, but a bottle a day might be a little too much. How about just one capsule from Riduzone instead? The exact same amount of OEA that you'll find in all of that olive oil in one capsule of Riduzone. If you want to give this a shot, Riduzone is running 30% off a three-month supply right now. If you use promo code Steve at Riduzone.com, that's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com. All right, promo code Steve. We're going to continue our study on my new book, Truth Bombs, later in the hour. But I, I think it's important to revisit and flesh out more of what we talked about at the top of the show. Because even though our show did its best to avoid commenting on this, except when we really knew things, because most of what, and, and I wonder if I even owe Bob Mueller an apology. Because over the last few months, I've, I've kind of ripped his probe as a leakocracy. And now I'm wondering, given the way it's conducted its business here at the end, if these weren't leaks, if, if media people are literally just, just making poop up, I mean, and I mean just like making it up, literally, like making stuff up. And I'll give you two reasons why. One, story that just broke in the last hour is that Mueller let um, the, Depart the Department of Justice yep. know weeks ago that they were not going to wade into the obstruction of justice stuff, that he would just as a prosecutor present his evidence and, and leave it up to them. He let them know weeks ago, as recently as Friday night, the media that had been pushing all these anonymous leaks from the, from the Mueller office was literally orgasmic at the prospect of what Mueller was going to do. I mean, this was going on Friday night while I'm watching the NCAA tournament with the rest of America. They were complete. And then Saturday, the word comes, no further indictments, and Rachel Maddow be crying. They were blindsided by this. Oh, but they're going to be sealed indictments. Yes, and they find out there aren't any sealed indictments either. I wonder if these really weren't leaks, guys. And I think given the behavior we saw with Covington, Kavanaugh, which is systemic, I think it is entirely possible that these anonymous stories were literally just resistance, hashtag resistance fan fiction, making it onto CNN. I, I, guys, we are in an era where ABC News ran with the headline a year ago that Mueller was about to indict Trump on a Friday. You remember this? And the stock market lost 2% of its value in an hour. Yeah. And then they had to come back in, a little while later and say, uh, that story is not true. 
And then you look at the way Mueller just dropped a report, no fanfare, no press conference. Just dropped a report and said, I'm done. Keep it 100, 5,000 G. Tapped out, went home. Does that strike you as the behavior of a grandstander? No. No. I wonder here if, a because you guys will know if you go back, and that's the great thing about a public record of everything you say and do is it keeps you honest. So if you go back to the very beginning of this 676 days ago, from the beginning, I was against a special counsel. I'm against independent councils as a statute on a fundamental level. We have enough government. We have enough government. It, it, with all the partisan incentives you have to go after Fast and Furious, to go after, to go after Benghazi, to go after Trump, Russia, whatever you're, whatever it is that you believe the other side has done, with all the partisan incentives we have, with all the partisan media we have, we really need to create another office. Just have hearings, put them on camera, and let the American people know. Everybody has got can follow this stuff on their phones nowadays, wherever they're at. We don't need another office. Did I not say that at the time? Yeah, several yes, times. Several times. We all echoed it. When Mueller was appointed, I also said they probably appointed the best person they could have appointed. Also true. I said that at the time. Given his background, he's probably America's most des- decor- decorated living prosecutor. It was Ronald Reagan's U.S. attorney that went after the Gambino crime family. He's the longest tenured director of the FBI other than the guy whose name is on the building. I mean, there's, you go out there and look, go look at the footage of, of Ted Cruz. This is his former boss at DOJ. Go look at the footage of Ted Cruz fetting and honoring Robert Mueller the first time he testified on Capitol Hill once Ted got into office. I mean, this guy's been known as an as much as you can be in Washington D.C. because you don't you don't survive as the second longest tenured head of the FBI if you're not doing some politicking. That's just the nature of the two two o two and two one two area codes. Okay, but as much as our system is able to produce someone with any semblance of character for such a job, a guy who's got a half dozen battlefield commendations from his time serving in Vietnam, uh, a guy who's been married to the same woman for like 60 years, uh, this is probably the best the system could have spit out to choose for this job. Did I not say that at the time? Yep. Okay. And then a few months into this, I slowly but surely began changing my mind. And the main reason I began changing my mind is not because of, you know, I, I don't ever, I, I thought at the time it was a disservice to attack Robert Mueller. It's a disservice to Trump to attack Robert Mueller head on. Cause I said this at the time too, when it becomes back and exonerates Trump, why would you want to damage his credibility? There's, that made no sense to me because if he doesn't exonerate Trump, a whole bunch of people will want to believe Trump is innocent anyway. So you can just kick him in the shins after he condemns your guy and the same people will believe you anyway, right? Sure. You, to me, you wait until he does what you don't like. And then you, then, you, then you go into the smear campaign. Don't smear him just in case, in case he exonerates you. You don't want to make it look like you've lowered his standing at all. You want his standing to be the highest it's ever been. Did we not say that at the time? Yes. We did. But then slowly but surely, we began describing his probe as a leakocracy. Did I, I even use that term, if I recall, right? right? And the main reason I described it as a leakocracy was what? Because we kept seeing reports of leaks. Anonymous sources from close to the, close to the investigation. In fact, I even at one point implored Robert Mueller, come to the cameras yeah. and talk. Defend yeah. the integrity of your investigation. Did I say that too? Sure. Okay. So we've gotten here at the end. We've come to the end of things here. 
And the wisest man who's ever graced, who've ever stepped foot on this earth said, you know, a tree by its fruit. So let's look at the fruit of what we have at the end. What we have at the end is we have people around the president who all pled guilty to the crimes they went to prison for. Mike Flynn, did he plead guilty? Yeah. So I suppose Mike Flynn is innocent, but that would require me caring more about Mike Flynn's innocence than who? Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn, because who pled guilty? Him. Him. I mean, I, 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 I suppose if it's possible he's innocent, but then he would have been a really crap choice for national security advisor because if you, if you couldn't stand up to the Mueller probe, I don't know how you're going to defend us from the Mullahs. Okay. So Mike Flynn, did he plead guilty? Yes. Yeah. Did Paul Manafort yes. plead guilty? Yeah. Did we know Paul Manafort was a bad person with questionable shady associations when Trump hired him? Yeah. In fact, this show said that's a terrible hire. There's, why hire that guy? Why bring him in with those associations? We've said that a lot about a lot of Trump hires. Yeah. Yep. Yes, we have. Okay. So he pled guilty though too, yep. right? Okay. Pled guilty. Michael Cohen. Right. Michael Cohen. Did he plead guilty? Yep. Okay. These people all pled. They didn't even take Mueller on in court. They all, well, Montefort pled guilty and then tried to take Mueller on in court and then got pimp slapped. Okay. So that didn't work out. So then the other end result is a complete and total exoneration of the president of Russian collusion and the ultimate confirmation that Fox Mulder is right. Trust no one. You, you cannot trust anything these media people say, are saying about literally anything. Given that fruit, I ask today now, 676 days later, what is the more likely scenario? Because here's the other thing Bob Mueller did. He went, we were also told, well, he'll never go against his boy Comey. They cooked this thing up from the very beginning. James Comey looks like one of America's largest ass clowns right now. Does he not? Is that true? For several reasons. Did you see his picture yes. of himself? Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the most self-awareness lacking human beings in America alive today. So James, so, so Robert Mueller, we were told, plotted this out with James Comey and was leaking damaging things to, to create a breadcrumb of the prosecution of the president with for the left and the media and that was the purpose of his office is that not we we have been told from large sectors of conservative media for months were we not told that correct something like that yeah okay. and at the end here's what we got robert Mueller came forth and said james comey is a total clown and the media is a bunch of propagandist, fake news arsonists, comms team of an of a hostile invasing invading force, who just lied to you for six hundred and seventy five days. Is that not the effective outcome of what Mueller has submitted after at the end of his investigation? I think that's fair. <laughs> so essentially, in my entire career in politics, the only man that has actually drained any swamp is Swamp Monster Bob Mueller. That's what you're just telling me, right? The, the only guy that's actually drained any swamp is Mueller. That's ironic. I didn't see that one coming. So let me ask you here today, what is more likely? That Bob Mueller's office was engaged in actively, knowing what we know now, what the final result of this is, that Bob Mueller's office was engaged in actively leaking damaging material to create all these turning point moments. It's the beginning of the end moments of the Trump presidency. That his office was leaking these things to all of this media 
only to then at the end come out and say, with the biggest psych of all time, and totally blindsided them in the last day. Or the same people that ran with, uh, she has no memory. They, we have no evidence. They've actually even occupied a room together. But we are convinced that uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh is the author of Marauding Rape Gangs. Um, and Michael Evanetti is an upstanding person who ought to be on every cable news show every damn night. And the Covington Catholic kids uh, are a bunch of racists. And the Native American that they uh, verbally assaulted without saying a word uh, ably served his country in Vietnam, except for all the times he did not. What do you think is more likely? That Trump, that, that Mueller was leaking this stuff all this time or that they just made all this Shiite up the entire time? Let me be clear. You and Kurt Schilling have been talking a lot today about the uh, March Madness and your uh, skill at prognostication. I want to put it in that light you know, because you've been uh, doing pretty good along those lines, giving people confidence so they can listen to you and follow you. You're setting up something that, uh, in my mind, you come in twice a week and you hand me, hey, nice job, guys. Here's your paycheck. Mm-hmm. I would, without blinking, give you back my paycheck and say, bet it all on the ladder. That they just made up all these leaks this entire time. Just made them up. The majority of them, at the very least. That maybe for every one or two, and, and chances are, if you are, even... Cause and I, embellished I, all yes, of them. I'm sure... Because of human nature, like I said last hour, you aren't going to you aren't going to assemble a prosecutorial team in America without having Democrats on it. Because most of your trial lawyers are Democrats. Okay, that's just the reality of the industry. Um, the lawyer who represented you uh, against the cops was he a Republican or a Democrat? Democrat. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time finding a trial lawyer in a, a team of trial lawyers in America that doesn't have at least one Democrat on it. All right, if not a majority, it's the nature of the of the industry. Um, is it possible that there might have been one of those Democrat trial lawyers that Mueller had in there that thought that he was involved? Oh, very possible. And, and yeah. maybe was maybe was the rogue leaking this stuff? Possible. We don't need to dismiss that to make we, our point. I think we need to draw a distinction here. And, and one, I, I want to bring this up as well. This is kind of... Well, it's 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 an okay conversation to have, but as far as trying to uh, you know use Occam's razor, it's kind of moot. If we are indeed someday going to get to read the Mueller report, then we can go if we wanted to and cross-reference what was leaked and what's in the Mueller report, and then we'll have our answer uh, one way or the other. I mean, Occam's razor right now it definitely seems like um, I mean Adam Schiff much. Um, yeah, I have evidence uh, that Trump was directly colluding with Russia. Okay, okay. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence gif. Yeah, um, <laughs> that that is. Yeah, I, I think it's more likely that they were just making crap up, but we'll know for sure once the full report is released. So there's there's the um, okay. We're going to be you know, uh, Montfort is guilty of thus thus and thus. There are leaks leaks like that. And then there are uh, leaks like Adam Schiff saying, uh, yeah, I have direct uh, evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. There's a big difference uh, between those two types of things. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about. I don't want to – but I don't want to um, group all of those together. So it could very well be – I think both things can be true um, to some degree at the same time. Let me put, let some me put a more, finer point some of, on it then. Yeah, some, some of the more salacious stuff, it wouldn't surprise me at all because the nature of progressives – and we were talking about this during the break and I don't want to yep. step on this. We were talking about this during the break. 
the need for their narrative. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Don't step on that because we are going to get to that. That's because that I think I think that there are two big picture points here. I don't want our audience to miss today. While a bunch of other people are rightfully taking a victory lap, okay, <laughs> that they've earned. All right, they've earned it. So I don't begrudge them at all. But I think for the Amer- the average American, there's there's two big points that I think we need to understand. One is the Mueller probe, and that's what we've been talking about the last ten minutes. The Mueller probe confirmed for everybody: you just can't trust the almost anything that the media does. You just can't. It confirmed that. And I don't understand either, you know, why people are pointing out what a waste of time this was. If we had not, and I'll say this to someone who opposes special counsels as a principle. Can you only imagine if we did not have, would not have done this probe with somebody with as impressive of a resume as Bob Mueller had coming in and had, and, and had not given this exact exoneration, but just left this to dangle out there. Can you imagine what stories they would have? They'd still be making up now. I don't have to imagine. I, so, to me, I don't know why anybody. I don't care how how much you love you some Trump. Every nickel of that probe was money well spent. You just got a historic level of vindication. The list of American most American presidents have to get assassinated to get the sort of vindication. You know, most of most American presidents have to visit Ford Theater. To get the kind of vindication Donald Trump just got, guys, or have to, you know, be appreciated after they leave office. A public level of vindication at this point while you're still there. We're in, you want some providential trolling. We're in, thou does prepare us to table in the presence of my enemy territory with stuff like this. You, I might, you might finally have convinced me Trump is King David with this kind of level of providential action. We're getting all our pro-Trump talking points in today, aren't we, Steve? This is is cosmic. I can't ignore what we just saw. So to me, every penny of the Mueller probe was well spent because they would just keep churning it out. And it would just get increasingly conspiratorial, increasingly sinister, increasingly wicked. And these suburban voters where you see a lot of the Catholic vote, a lot of the white, white female vote, a lot of the middle class vote, Suburban voters have been Trump's weakest link in the traditional GOP coalition chain. And I'll tell you why, because I've lived in the suburbs most of my life. And it's been easier for me to organize when candidates like Ted Cruz come to Iowa. It's easier for me to organize them in rural Iowa than my own neighborhoods where I live. I'll tell you why. Because suburban voters are nothing if not passive aggressive in the extreme. They, They don't want to be prompted to have the interview we just had with Ashley Bratcher, where she said, she, you know, she came into the movie of the making of Unplanned thinking, you know, I'm personally pro-life, but I don't think I could really impose my argument on somebody else before I made this film. That is literally what most suburban voters think of the abortion issue, period, regardless of whether they vote in, or how they vote in any election. Suburban voters, most people move to the suburbs because they want to avoid existential conflict. They hate whoever makes them have an existential conflict. They don't like it. And so the reason that they've, they've been the weakest link in Trump's coalition chain is because the way Trump often messages, the one Mexican judge, witch hunt, lock her up, rapists and thugs, the way he messages. When they show up at their mega churches on Sunday and the topic of politics comes up, it instantly gets volatile. I don't like it. When they show up at the golf course on a Saturday to tee it high and let it fly for 18 holes. Am I, Todd, am I lying? No. These are our neighborhoods, is it not? 
This is how it works. The minute they show, when they show up at mass and politics comes up, you can tell, can you talk about the body language? Uh, you know, is it safe? Is it safe to talk I've, about? I've been part of these conversations. Yes. When they go to the golf course and, and, and their Democrat, uh, you know, uh, business owner buddies show up, they want to have, they want it to be safe to talk politics because they can't go 18 holes without talking about it. And the way Trump has presented his arguments and himself at times has made that very difficult for them. And so they recoil. Well, they were all watching the NCAA tournament yesterday too. And they saw CBS News break in in the middle of the tournament, middle of the Duke Central Florida game. By far the most meaningful game of the entire tournament so far. And they saw CBS News break in multiple times in real time yesterday to say no collusion. And you know what those same suburban voters are going to say? <sighs> Finally, we can move on and not talk about this anymore. What a joke. But their liberal buddies aren't going to let it go. They're going to want to talk about it at the golf course. They're going to talk about it at church. And what, they're dem what the Democrats are going to learn is that rubber band snaps back viciously. Because they hate unnecessary divisiveness. The number one turnoff to suburban voters is unnecessary divisiveness. That's why in my neighborhood, I struggled to get people to caucus for Ted Cruz. They wanted to talk caucus for dimples instead. They they wanted to caucus for the uh, you know for the uh, the American Gothic painting Mitt Romney instead, not Mike Huckabee. They like to feel like it's safe. It's a safe environment, and everybody gets along. Allie Stuckey here at the Blaze is is doing a day. Her podcast every day, if you follow her on Twitter, is literally confirmation of what I'm talking about. It's like she's doing a podcast just for white suburban women every day <laughs> who are all buying into, they're literally adopting. People like Beth Moore are literally swerving in to the social justice movement strictly as a reaction to Donald Trump. And that's what Ali Stuckey is trying to push back on. We don't abandon orthodoxy because you don't like the way the president tweets. We don't accept heresy because you don't like what the president says at 4 a.m. on a Twitter account, right? That's, yep. that's essentially what her whole podcast has become a pushback against this. They view Trump as unnecessarily divisive, so they're willing to latch on to what is not Trump. Well, the worm is going to turn here. If the left persists, which they will, can't stop, won't stop. Those same suburban voters they made huge dents with. You want data? I'll give you data. For in 2012 or 10, 12, I'm sorry, in 10, 14, and 16, Republicans won that block of suburban female voters by an average of five points. In 2018, they lost them by eight. That's a 13-point swing. That is massive. That's, that's where the House of Representatives flipped is there. Those suburban districts, like where I live, my, my largely effeminate, ineffective Republican rhino congressman David Young lost to a woman. And that story was told all over the country in those suburban districts. Democrats lined up female candidates who said, we're not mean like Trump. And a bunch of suburban white women left their megachurches to go vote for him. That's, that's, that's what happened in the last election. That's why Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House now. Well, if... if they, they think they've put this Russian, very divisive Russian collusion thing. These suburban voters are going to believe it's behind them now and they can move on with their lives. 
And it's safe to talk politics at, at the gym, at the Y, at mass, at church, at their mega church, at the golf course, at their kids' soccer game. They're going to think it's safe for it to come up again. But when their liberal buddy says, I don't believe it at all. So you, you, you need to believe the president's a Russian agent? Like, con man's not good enough for you. Like, serial liar doesn't do it for you. Like, um, doesn't follow through on numerous promises. Like, likes to ball wash dictators. That's not, none of that's good enough for you. You have to go with, he is literally the Manchurian, the Moscowian candidate. That, that's not good enough. None of that. And you know what those suburban voters are going to do? I know. Because I've been trying to organize this voting block my whole career. Those suburban voters are going to revolt on the Democrats for continuing going down this road. Every, every, every day, every hour, the Democrats won't let this line of questioning or won't let this fan, this fan fiction go. Is another point loss in the 2020 election. I promise you. With this group, they, they hate this stuff. Todd, you agree or disagree? Questions, comments, insults? I agree wholeheartedly. The, the suburban voters are, uh, and again, I alluded to uh, how I've specifically talked with them about this very thing. And, and it, it, we need to bring up these uh, first-person anecdotal uh, examples because they are the boots on the ground. Steve is already taking you all the way to that election. Uh, he, and he has the experience to do so, far more experience than most people who do what we do uh, in terms of uh, conservative media. Uh, and the number of people that, uh, it's why polling is is such a people are admitting it's a it's a problem because of people what they're going to do versus what they'll admit because of the scarlet letter you have to wear hey i'm a guy i just told you last week i have no idea if i'm going to vote for donald trump i can see it going either way i can see myself not deciding until the 11th hour um but steve is dead on because i'm surrounded about these people and you got to acknowledge reality whether you like it or not and this emotional attachment to things. Steve has talked about how we need to tell narratives that in the past you, you, you could you wanted to stick to reason and and then follow with emotion, but first you got to get that emotional grab. And Steve just said why that grab got taken back by the right on some level. Do you have itchy ears that plugged up feeling? Boy, today's a good day to ask some questions along those lines, huh? Um, maybe you're constantly asking people to repeat themselves. If these problems sound familiar, you could be like millions of Americans that will be forced to visit the doctor for a professional ear cleaning, but now you can get the same professional results in the comfort and convenience of your own home with our friends at WaxRx. They use a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup, then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula, and now you can get use, you can use wax, WaxRx without a prescription, all right? making it even more convenient. So if you want to try the WaxRx system free today, here's the website. Usewaxrx.com. All one word. Usewaxrx.com. And when you go to the website, use the offer code radio for free shipping when you check out. All right. So offer code radio at checkout for free shipping and the website. Usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio. One more time. Usewaxrx.com. There's another big takeaway here, and I'm going to call another audible. I'm going to shill for my book another day this week. I, I, I think this is a day of, of a magnitude that, has, that requires more analysis. And what 
it's the point Aaron raised that I just briefly alluded to. I think we need to unravel that more. That because it, it's it, it helps to define what it means when someone when someone's view of you devolves from opponent to enemy. Okay? And we'll get more into this when we come back here live and on demand on the blaze. Stay tuned. So let's see. We've got infanticide in New York, the Green New Deal. Um, uh, we've got Covington Catholic. We've got Kavanaugh. We've got fake collusion, um, uh, running businesses out of New York, uh, giving themselves an award for uh, the Parkland uh, a town hall that was a total fraud and sham that allowed it uh, allowed the sheriff down there to uh, depict himself as a man of uh, pious public service when he's a fiend. It's been a you know, they've been on a roll over there on the left on the left the last few months, and and that's why you want to pay attention to a company like Patriot Mobile because there's only four cell phone providers in the country because it's so expensive to build and maintain towers. That, that really the only difference on a corporate level is, is what they do with the money that you give them. And you kind of can't live without a mobile phone nowadays uh, in, in the world in which we live. And um, if you have, uh, for example, if you have service with AT&T or Verizon, you know, they're sending money to uh, Planned Parenthood. They're sending money to the ACLU. How about doing business with a company like Patriot Mobile instead, which will defend your values, uh, which will help uh, support causes like a PragerU that they're trying to deplatform right now for the same reason they gave a rated R uh, an R rating to Unplanned. They gave a rated an R rating to Unplanned because they they admit, damn, this film steps on our necks pretty bad. Can't let people see it. That's why they gave it an R rating. All right, and the reason they want they're trying to deplatform PragerU is almost nobody on the right is doing a better job of deconstructing the shibboleths of the damned than PragerU is at the moment. So they're trying to deplatform them. That's why Patriot Mobile, when you sign up with them, they take your proceeds and support causes like that instead. And right now they've got unlimited talk and text plans starting as low as $20 a month. It's easy to switch. 1-800-A-PATRIOT is the number. If you mention the blaze, when you call, uh, they'll waive up to two activation fees. 1-800-A-PATRIOT or even make it simpler for you. Just go online to patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze. As we were sitting here during this last break, I, I couldn't write this script. I mean, this, this is... <laughs> uh, he might actually be God's anointed, guys. I, I, he, might yeah, he might be. Okay. He might be. Okay. He might be. Saying it off the air and <laughs> saying it on the air. And, <laughs> I don't know what to say to the news. Michael Evanetti, the feds, yesterday, the Department of Justice cleared Donald Trump of Russian collusion. And the next day, they go after Michael Evanetti for attempting to essentially shake down and blackmail Nike. (laughs) I don't know what to say, guys. I don't know. Like... If, if I was Donald Trump, man, 
I'd be rolling out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Gangsta, gangsta. Yeah, that's me. That's what I'd be doing right now. I mean, this is, I'd, no wonder the guy thinks he's invulnerable. You've, have you ever seen anything like this in your life, Todd? I'm asking. Well, if, but it, again, you talk about foils. This, this is possible because of the utter lunacy and depravity he's surrounded by. He's still a product of that system. So sooner or later, somebody as brash and brazen and broken as that entire system was going to be spit out. Who and the the uh, what's the Frankenstein uh, and the monster? No, you know, ter- Doctor Frankenstein the, always hates the, the monster he yeah. created. Yeah. And so there's a version of this happen. I I don't think you need, I understand where you're at. uh, And I've seen it happen within with my own eyes to you in the last two hours. What's going on here? Because before we got on, I'm the one who said to you, maybe we should talk about this. We're (laughs) we're just going to do it for a half hour and we're going to move on. We'll see tomorrow. And then it seems like, nope, more. Because this is, this is meta. What is happening right now is meta. It is that. And it is that. You know, whether it's collusion, Kavanaugh, Covington, the same people that promoted these storylines. And the reason I keep linking them is I think it's important to note. This isn't, hey, we all just lost our minds because we don't like Trump once. Nope. This same line of methodology was used with every single one of these stories. And the same people that promoted these narratives that have all been debunked and are all fake, false, and lies turned Michael Evanetti into a household name, and he is a fiend. That montage Aaron ran on this show almost two hours ago, his face was in there almost as much as anybody else's. The good old days when he was back on every single network, sometimes simultaneously talking about- He was coming to Iowa giving campaign speeches. Yep. Eating at the state fair. Here's the thing you think you need to understand about this. Look at what do we know about Donald Trump? He had a personal attorney who's going to prison for three years because he's a crook. He hired a guy who was on Putin's payroll to be his national campaign manager. And he's going to jail for basically the rest of his life. He's going to prison. We know that he slept, had unprotected sex with a porn star while his wife was pregnant, nursing, or at home, was she pregnant or nursing, Baron? I think the the child had actually been afterwards. Yeah, Yeah, it was afterwards. You're doing an Andy Dufresne thing in Shawshank, but you're saying he crawled through a river of blank and came out clean on the other side. That's what you're saying. We know that um, his. We know that his tariffs have hurt the the economy is growing greatly already. It would be growing even more if he didn't have this. And we live in the region of the country where it's being hurt the most by these policies. We know that he's had maybe the worst. Maybe the worst. And the only reason I'm saying maybe is maybe someone come up with one that's worse. I can't off the top of my head. I can't come up with a worse meeting with a foreign leader than the two Trumps had with Kim Jong-un. In American history, guys, in American freaking history, I can't come up with ones that are worse or more embarrassing. Why do I reset this chain of events? Because it's not like there's not material there for his opponents to exploit, right? Sure. Right? Lots. And he serves it up all the time. Like, the big story in the country, if you if you want to beat Trump in 2020, the big story you should be talking about right now 
is the President of the United States, by admission of his own spokeswoman, is going to lessen the 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 uh, sanctions on one of the worst regimes on planet Earth because he likes the guy in charge of it. That's what Sarah Sanders said. Did she say that? Yeah. Yes. How much of that are his opponents focused on right now? Or have ever been? No, none. It, it's not good enough that he has these moral challenges. We need to take his remarks from Charlottesville, Virginia a year and a half ago, butcher them. He needs to be a racist. He needs to be a Russian stooge. Do you know why he needs to be these things? Do you really want to know why? Oh, it's a bad answer. There's several, but they're all bad. Let me give you what I think is the main bad answer. If you think there's more, chime in, okay? The reason they need him to be these things is because they need and want you to be these things. Because they really believe, and I'm just telling you, I've learned this doing 50 some odd appearances on MSNBC over five years. I thought, going in, I thought for sure they've got other arguments other than you're racist. They're like, there, there must be a line of logic to their thinking. I, I just haven't been exposed to it. And I'd, I'd like to be exposed. No. You know what I learned? There isn't another argument. You couldn't possibly hold an alternative view unless you're a racist. Unless You couldn't possibly think it's a good idea for a kid to have a mom and a dad unless you're a homophobe. There, there like can be no other reasons other than that. You, you, can, you, can, you can have no other explanation for why you thought we had too many people on food stamps in the Obama years other than you're a racist. No other reason. There can be no other explanation as to why you don't want this, the southern border besieged by human traffickers and MS-13 gangs other than you're a xenophobe. There can be no other reasonings for it. We won't vet. We'll, we'll take people like Michael Evanetti. We won't vet them at all. And because he's singing the siren song we like, it's 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 anti-America karaoke night. Michael Evanetti's singing Friends in Low Places again tonight. Okay? Every night. Every channel. Total fiend. Fraud. Crook. They need this to be true. They, they want it to be. They want to believe the worst about those whose views they don't share. I, I, I don't know how to tell you. I don't know how you debate that. I don't think you can. As King Theoden said, what can men do against such reckless hate? That's what this is. And they thought Trump was unpopular enough that they could just go full Monty now. That the emperor doesn't have to pretend to be naked in front of the mirror. He can literally walk in front of the palace window in all of his glory and say, nakedness today. And they could, they could, they could just go tilt, dial it up to 11, full socialist, Marxist, that that gave them permission to, to just be honest. And we're never going to put that genie back in the bottle. We're never going back to... There's certain things, even if we think them, guys, we can't say. We're never going back to that, ever. We're never going back to, you know, I, I, I don't want to question the motives of, my, of the, my opponent, from the senator from Texas. I just have a different view. We're never going to go back to that. 
And it makes me sad. Not because I'm not willing to admit what that means, but because I am. And what it means now, and I'm not happy about this, love is a battlefield, Pat Benatar. And it, it's amorphous. Any youth sporting event, any Sunday at church, any family gathering. Invading armadas. Don't stop invading voluntarily. They have to be defeated and pushed back or they will invade until the invasion is complete. They're going to put the entire, and they already have. Maybe we just haven't recognized it yet. They're going to put the entire culture on DEFCON 1. And man, that'll, that'll ruin a nation. Polluting your own well. What's the number one rule of business? You don't crap where, where you live. And they're going to do it. And they're doing it right now. And they're not going to go back. Your thoughts, Todd? Well, they're going to do it because if you, when you argue with progressives, uh, one thing you always want to remember, it helps. It gets you to the nub of the argumentation uh, you need to focus on is they are very often guilty of the very thing that they're accusing you of. And so when Steve talks uh, about everything he said, he just nailed it. They hate you. Well, why do they hate you? Because you're foreigners to them. They need him to be the Russian agent because they're the foreign agents. Uh, they are entirely outside of the parameters now of why this country was founded and what it hoped to pro propagate for future generations. And whether consciously or not, they're projecting who they are now onto all others. That, it, it, this is always about the other with them. And it, it, it is so because... They are the other. That's why Steve can so com comfortably say, I have no problem saying it well. I've been saying it for a long time about journalism. We're dealing with hostile forces who are willing to upend your way of life up to the point of separating generations from each other. Be clear about what that means. You and your children. You think you have as much uh, right and say in the lives of who they come to be as anybody else, they think you are wrong. And they plan on taking all of that away from you. So you get clear about that. And you ask yourself, on your bingo card for a day's show, what are you prepared to do? Look what they tried to do to a guy who's a freaking billionaire, who could hire all the best this attorneys, the hammer this controls the Department of Justice, can create... Yep. Uh, look what they tried to do to that guy. With all of the means by which to push back. The most powerful bully pulpit on planet Earth. What are they going to do to you when, when you decide you're going to be the one family in your school district that's not going to teach your kids uh, training madness? What are they going to do to you? We know what they're going to do to you. Ask Masterpiece Cake Shop. Ask Kim Davis. Ask the Kleins in Oregon. We know. We know what the answer to that question is. We already and it makes me sad. And forget this, the one person who's willing to stand up. All you go-alongers. We, uh, we're careful to use uh, Holocaust analogies, but how far are you going to go along? 
The going along gets pretty nasty and gritty way faster than you expect in human history. Always. Look what they did to a judge who's probably not even a vote against Roe. They, they tried to so damage him that he couldn't coach his daughter's youth sporting events anymore. What would they do to a judge who would be a vote against Roe? What would they falsely accuse him or her of? What would they do to Amy Barrett, for example? What would they say about her? What would they accuse her of? Think about things like that. And I absolutely believe most of the leaks that were so-called leaks from the Mueller office were literally made up. Literally, they made them up. If I can add this real quick before we get to our last live read. Uh, I think today's lesson needs to be uh, thus. Don't flinch. When we talked to Ashley um, from the movie Unplanned, Ashley Bratcher, from the movie Unplanned, and you asked her what she had done thinking about the future, uh, whether she's going to be blacklisted, whether or not she's going to be the face of the pro-life movement going forward. She didn't even flinch, didn't even take a special thought, or a second thought, I should say. Uh, She said, no, uh, my faith uh, tells me to walk forward without fear. Uh, that's, that's That's kind of the lesson today because when we when we are faced with the um, reality of what the left is and has become and where we are war is upon us whether we wish it or not we cannot afford to flinch or else we're going to end up uh, we're going to end up um, doing more damage to ourselves and those around us than we actually are um, you know fighting back against these types of forces. So that's, I think that's the lesson uh, from today at the end of the day is, is don't flinch. This is a, just an illustration of what we're up against right now. This is not just a news story. This is not just the conclusion of a news story. This is an illustration of where we are. Our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have the answer to your real need for an energy boost. Don't go to a gas station. That's where your car, an inanimate object, gets its energy, not humans. All right. Uh, Go to the source of humans uh, for the best sources of energy, nature, your creator. And that's an outstanding new product that our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have created that I'm a frequent user of and a big fan of. It's called From Dawn to Dusk. Um, No jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories and no sugar, no 75 chemicals in it either. Uh, Just clean energy that will help you keep focused, even improve your mood for up to 10 hours. This stuff really works. I use it uh, a few times each week. I swear by it. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's a groundbreaking formula that right now you can get access to 15% off your first order if you use my name as the promo code when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com. All right, so check it out from dawn to dusk at BrickHouseSteve.com. Use my name, promo code Steve, to get 15% off of your first order. Put those energy drinks and the 70,000 ingredients that you can't pronounce, put those down. To put all those chemicals in your body. Do this the way nature and your creator intended. All right, BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. Well, that's going to do it for today's program. We will be back at it again tomorrow. Uh, Don't forget the roundtable today coming up on The Blaze. How far should we go in finding what the the root of this fake news collusion narrative was and where it came from? We'll debate that today right here on The Blaze. Until then, John 317. 
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. Mm-hmm.